The work hours for a professional working in athletics can fluctuate. That's why the University of Cincinnati Online designed a Master of Sports Administration program that is both flexible and 100% online. Connect and build relationships with other students, alumni working in athletics, and their experienced staff. The best part? You can graduate in as little as one year. Unsure about going back to school? UC Online has a team of student success coordinators ready to guide you from start to graduation. Reach out and learn more about UC Online today. This is what I told myself to motivate myself, is I wanted to be the youngest athletic director of a D1 college this country has ever seen. Love that. And of course, when you say something like that, people are like, okay, yeah, for sure. You and everybody else, right? Right, yeah. I wanted to be an athletic director at the time because I wanted to touch multiple different sports and also be effective in the student-athlete model that grows kids to being young adults to being student-athletes, etc. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkInSports.com, Brian Clapp. On the field, former Steelers safety and Pro Football Hall of Famer Troy Polamalu was a physical marvel and absolutely ferocious player. As a Patriots fan, I hate admitting this, but I really did like Troy Polamalu. Off the field, he was soft-spoken, not really known for being the loudest voice in the locker room or the main target of the local media looking for sound bites. He was the face of the franchise, but not necessarily the voice. All that said, he was the unquestioned leader. True leadership doesn't require being the loudest voice in the room. It doesn't require the rah-rah pep talk or the answer to every possible question. So what is it that made Palomalu such a great leader? Well, leaders show up. In 2012, the 10th year of his Hall of Fame career, Palomalu was still showing up at optional OTA practices to mentor young players. Leaders stand up when needed. When teammate James Harrison was on the cusp of facing harsh penalties for hits to the head, it was Palomalu who stood up and said, Roger Goodell has too much power. Do you think this maybe inspired his teammates? Leaders aren't easily replaced. When Palomalu was injured and out for the 2009 season, the Steelers' defense tanked, giving up an additional 101 points from the previous year. I may not have examples for every one of these leadership thoughts through the lens of Troy Palomalu, but suffice it to say, leaders solve problems. They listen well. They don't blame others. They admit when they don't have all the answers. They encourage people to be their best, and they include everyone in the growth process. They are not just NFL Hall of Famers or front office executives. Leaders are the high risers you see around you in the workplace. I've seen interns who are great leaders and 30-year veterans who are incapable. Leadership is not directly proportional to experience. You have to want it. Today's guest, Casey Katowski, is a part owner of two minor league baseball teams, a minor league soccer team, and is the executive director of operations for the Future Legends Complex in Windsor, Colorado, which is a 118-acre sports complex with a professional stadium, multiple baseball diamonds, multi-purpose fields, indoor bubble sports arena, lodging, and retail. But what really impressed me about Casey is his instincts for leadership and his desire to grow and improve constantly. There's a lot to be learned here about these amazing projects, but also how to develop and grow as a leader, which will raise your ceiling in the sports industry. Don't wait on being a leader. It's there for you now. Listen in, learn a little bit, 
from our guy, Casey Katowski. Hey, Casey. Thanks for joining me today. This is a fun conversation we're about to have. Thanks for being here. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. You guys are doing a lot of cool things out there, and I'm really excited to have this conversation because you're in so many different areas. You're the executive director of the Future Legends Complex. We're going to talk a lot about that. You're also the co-owner of the Northern uh, Colorado Owls of the Pioneer League, the Grand Junction Jackalopes, also of the Pioneer League, and the Northern uh, Colorado Hailstorm of the USL League One. So there's a ton of questions in that regard as well, because owning teams and that involvement in minor league sports and how that all develops is really, really interesting, especially to our audience that are getting their careers kicked off. But I want to start with this. I saw on your LinkedIn page a certain line that you had that really stood out to me, and you said that your goal is to be a transcendent leader in the athletic world. And that stood out to me. So I want to hear from you. Where did you come up with that thought process? How do you visualize that concept? What does that mean to you? Because I think that's pretty motivating right there. Well, I appreciate that. And I also can tell you you've done your homework and you do your research. So uh, I appreciate that as well. My goal, again, is to try and create a different way of thinking in the sports world. You mentioned a little bit of what I do. uh, And that's just an element of it. But what I do is not necessarily what I necessarily stand for. I want to create different ways of thinking in the sports entertainment world. I'm not exactly 75 years old. I have a different mindset and how to do certain things. I run my team and our staff in a little bit more of a personalized way where I like to preach authenticity. Uh, Be yourself. Talk to the CEO of Apple the same way you would the janitor of McDonald's. Try and pursue each day as if you are bringing value to somebody else and they're bringing value to you and you work together. And so when I use the word transcendent, is to try and uh, motivate myself as well. If I, that's what I want to do, I, I don't want to have, I don't need a statue of myself. Uh, I don't need recognition. I don't need awards. It doesn't motivate me. What motivates me is making sure that my team has what they need. My family is supported, uh, and we all achieve the goals that we set together. And so that's kind of how I operate. That's how we run our team together. And uh, whatever I can do to to help other people feel the same way is what I'm going to try and do. Okay, I can tell it's going to be a good conversation because I totally embody what you just said, and I think that hits the mark so much. And I think, I, I don't think the 75, that you're not 75 years old was a dig at me, but um, I'm not, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm not that good. old. Uh, but I like that vision. I, 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 was, I was thinking back of, we started this podcast five years ago, and one of my first interviews with Jesse Cole from the Savannah Bananas. And they do a lot of very creative things. They work in a very authentic way. They don't always fit the mold of what people expect. And it works. So I think I think challenging and, and coming up with new concepts and and pushing into some, what might be uncomfortable areas, but doing it in an authentic way is is a really powerful way to approach our industry. 100%. You know, that's, that's kind of how we look at things as well is you know, just because somebody else does it a certain way doesn't mean that's the right way. Yeah. Uh, and just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean that you shouldn't try it. Bingo. You know I mean? Yeah, I love that. So I'm also a really firm believer that leadership traits tend to create somebody's ceiling a little bit. Like you can't do everything yourself. So being the co-owner of a team, you have to be able to lead and build up the people around you so that you can achieve those high marks and those high uh, expectations and try new things and not go it alone. So as you think about your leadership style, you kind of gave a little bit of a taste in there, but how would you describe it? And how did you get to this point where you even learned how to be a good leader and how to motivate people and how to communicate effectively? How did this all kind of come about for you? So I, I try and lead by example, but also lead by strengths and weaknesses. And that's not just by skill set; that's by mindset, in my opinion. So yeah. I am good at this. I'm very good at very much this, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not good at that. I have a team, we have a team, 
that we've put together that fill in the rest of the gaps. And so trying to find 50 other cases is not productive. Trying to find three other cases is not productive. Not everybody feels the same way that I do about certain things or, you know, kind of wakes up with the same mindset that I do, good or bad, right? And so growing up, when I had, you know, internships and different jobs as an entry-level position, when I was in college, and I had mentors as well that would try and teach me the same thing of like, you need to find your own leadership style is one is that's how I I guess I, I created my own is that. I had to learn what I liked in a leader, what I what I went to work every single day, what did I look for? You know, what do I want to be remembered as? Do I want to be respected? Do I want to be liked? Do I want to, you know, do I want to have a thousand awards that are meaningless to me but could be meaningful to somebody else? Yep. What do I want to be remembered for? How do I want to lead? And so how what I told myself when I finally became in more of a leadership position about 5 years ago was when I show up to work, who do I want to sit next to and why would they want to sit next to me? And if they look at me as a leader, what am I doing to make them feel valued, to make them feel like what they are doing is meaningful and that they're heard as well? And so if I can accomplish that, then I'm being authentic, as I mentioned in the beginning part of this. And so that's what authenticity is to me. I'm, I'm a goofy guy. I like having a good time. I love sports. I love being outside. And that's, yeah. this is what I love to do. So I want to be around other people that love what they love to do as well. Not everyone has to be a huge baseball fan or soccer or football or whatever. As long as they love what they do, I want to continue to try and motivate them to do that. So if this kind of answers your question, that's kind of what my leadership style is, is that I try and make sure I find the strengths in everybody else. I learn from them as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the quote, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yep. Yep. So, no, I, I absolutely adore that mentality. And I don't think enough people embody it. I think people feel like to be a leader, you have to be the loudest voice or you Mm -hmm. have to be knowing everything or have an opinion or the last word on everything. And I actually find for myself and my own environments and then others that I'm around who are leaders, often the best leaders are the ones that listen the best and empower others to be involved in the process. And it sounds like what you're articulating. Yeah, I mean, I I try and be the best that I can at certain things. I'm I'm nowhere near perfect. I'm as far from it as you possibly can be. And again, as I mentioned, I'm good at this. These are the things that I'm good at. These are the things that I would be confident about in, in prescribing to anybody else or talking about or marketing myself about. I'm not good at a lot of stuff, more stuff than I'm, I'm, I'm not as good at more stuff than I am good at. Yeah. And I feel like it's a very humbling thing to admit to yourself sometimes. Not that I uh, need to toot my own horn, but like it, it's, there's a point when you're a leader, if you say, I am not good at this, yeah. I cannot do this by myself. And that's, that's difficult too. When you're in a project like this, where there's so much stuff going on and we're bringing something up from the ground up and you know, I've done this for four years now, and it just essentially started with myself and my father and my co-founder, uh, Ryan Spielborg. So now we have almost 200 employees. And so it's different now than it was. And when you start off with doing everything yourself, that's what you want to keep doing. It's not healthy. There's yeah. people that are better than you at it, right? right. And so uh, not only are they better than you at it, you can't just do it yourself anyways. you got to no, learn how to delegate. you can't. It's just not possible. So you right. have to be able to lead others and motivate them. And, and when you're out humble like that and admit that I don't know everything— that opens up other people to want to contribute because they know they have a role that they might be able to fill. They know something they can do to help move this whole story forward. So I, I love that mentality. Um, I'm guessing most young people don't think to themselves, I want to be the co-owner of a minor league baseball team someday. Uh, maybe they do. I, I think that's a lofty, lofty goal. And you've clearly done it at a very early part of your, your life and career, which is amazingly impressive. How did you land on this goal? How did you get this focus to say, this is what I want for myself. I want to see these things come to reality. 
Excellent point. When I was <laughs> when I was younger, my family has been in the sports and entertainment industry for most of my life. So I was one of those kids growing up. I didn't really go to summer camp. I worked every summer. Yeah. You know, I was in a front office. You know, at the age of nine, learning how to sign players and learning how to uh, do marketing campaigns and sell tickets and stuff like that. And that's invaluable. Not everyone gets the same experience. And so I, I was appreciative of that. And I know that I needed to take advantage of it to learn what I wanted to do in my life. I and mean, I was given the, all these different opportunities and I was one of those people, it's like, if I'm given this opportunity, I might as well utilize it, Yeah. right? I need, to, I need to capitalize on it. This is what I've been given. So my original goal, and not many people know this, my original goal that I set for myself, which is a lofty, ridiculous goal, but this is what I told myself to motivate myself, is I wanted to be the youngest athletic director of a D1 college this country has ever seen. Love that. And of course, when you say something like that, people are like, okay, yeah, for sure. You and everybody else, right? Right, yeah. You know, people are like, I want to be a sports agent. I want to be a GM. I wanted to be an athletic director at the time because I wanted to touch multiple different sports and also be effective in the student-athlete model that grows kids to being young adults to being student-athletes, et cetera. That's what motivated me. Yep. My biggest idol from a business standpoint is Theo Epstein. Okay, I'm from Boston, so you just hit close to my heart right there. there so I, I, I feel you. I'm good with this. Continue. <laughs> I, I'm not a Red Sox fan at all. I'm an Angels and a Pirates fan. Oh, uh, I guess, guy. unfortunately, uh, this year's actually going okay. But yeah, it's true. In general, Theo Epstein is my idol for reasons that he didn't even necessarily create for himself, but he took the opportunity the same way that I would want. You've seen the movie Moneyball, correct? Oh, yeah. When Billy Bean rejects the offer from the Red Sox and they go on to lose, which the Angels did win the World Series that year, so I at least have that to brag about. The one time we did anything <laughs> right. Uh, the Red Sox decided to take a chance to create a new mold of I'm going to hire someone that people don't want me to hire, but he is the best person for the job in our brains. Yeah. Theo Epstein at the time, I believe he was 28. Yeah was hired to be the general manager of the Boston Red Sox, a top 10 American organization, if not top five. Yep. And two years later, you know what happened. You're a Red Sox fan. He then created myself. a new mold. Now you look at from 2002, 2003, when he got hired, to 2023, how many young head coaches there are in the NFL and yep. the MLB, how many young GMs there are in multiple different sports, how many young executives there are. And so does he deserve all the credit? Not necessarily. But he was a pioneer that I looked up to when I was, you know, eight. Yeah. And was like, wow, here's someone that's young, that has taken on a leadership role, has taken all the bullets right at him, and has taken all the yelling, uh, right, uh, the yelling right at him, right? And he did it anyways. He did the impossible. He yeah. took some, uh, a, a, another person's goal, which then became his goal of 86 years, 84 years. What was it at the time? 86 years, right? 86 years, yeah. 86 years yeah. of losing. To a team that won yeah. now four World Series mm -hmm. since then. And then yeah. what does he do? He goes to the even bigger challenge, the biggest challenge outside of maybe the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns yeah. that this country's sports has ever seen. Yep. And he goes to the Chicago Cubs, and he creates that new model there as well. And so when we talk about transcendent leader, I don't need to be Theo Epstein. I don't even need to be close. Yeah. And so this complex, while there's professional sports into it as well, I can build the pathway. We can build the pathway from someone who's eight years old, just like I was, to being a professional athlete or someone in my chair. And so that's that's what motivates me. That's what motivated me as a kid. And now that I'm old and smelly, it's important for me to look at why was I motivated because of that? Is that still what motivates me now? And if I was eight years old, would I look at me thinking the same thing? It's now that I'm a similar age as Theo Epstein was, right? And so... Mm -hmm. That, that story is important for me to tell because people don't really realize all the time why I do this. 
This is what I'm passionate about. I, I want to see kids succeed. So that, that story brings a little bit of light to it. Yeah, no, it brings a lot of joy too because I, th- I kept thinking of a couple different things. For one, I have a dream list of guests because I've been doing this show for five years now, but I've been in the sports media for almost 25 years. And I have a dream list of guests for this show and Theo Epstein has been on that dream list for five years. I've had so many different attempts to out, of outreach to people that know him, people that might be able to hook this up, and it's never happened. So it's still on my dream list. So you bring that up, and that makes me think of it. The other thing is Theo Epstein and I are the exact same age. So I was the news director at Fox Sports Northwest at 28 years old, feeling pretty good about myself, feeling like I was wow. on good progress. And he becomes the GM of the Red Sox, and I'm like— Nobody my age should be trusted to be the GM of the Red Sox. I remember being kind of like, what are we doing? And then sitting back and realizing afterwards, like, wow, what a bold choice that panned out. And that does just totally shift your mentality and make you think. That opens up a lot of different possibilities. And you're right. Like, it used to be every GM was an old grizzled scout who traveled around the world on buses and sat on, you know, metal benches. And now it became statisticians and economics majors and people from Princeton and whatever. And it all just changed this entire model. The the thing that makes me the most angry in this job is when someone uses the phrase, we should do this because this is what everybody else does. Yeah. That's yep. the first thing that I will say no to, or that I'll say, I'll well, we tried that five years ago and it didn't work. It's like, well it, then just, iterate, but go ahead. That's a t- in, in my own opinion, which is take, you know, uh, only has so much weight in my own opinion, that sentence means absolutely nothing. Yeah. What other people are doing is because other people were doing it for them, right? And so that Theo Epstein story that I just mentioned, they did something different. They took yeah. a chance. It's a, there's a risk involved, but it turned out to be successful. How many other ones have they tried where they hired somebody young or hired somebody different to, to have a different mold and it didn't pan out? So not everything right. is a success story, but you got to give it a try. Yeah. And you, know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and everything. Just because other people are doing stuff doesn't mean you shouldn't do it either. Right. I cannot stand that mentality of, oh, this is what other people are doing. This is what has worked. You should do it too. That's that's the thing that I hate the most. That I don't yeah. want to say hate. That's the thing I dislike the most is you should do this too. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. You have to trust in your own visions and your own approaches. Yeah. Right. I love that. So, okay. I sit back and I think about the actual job that you are trying to accomplish and being the co-owner of three different teams and launching the the uh, Future Legends Complex, clearly we've already stated that you can't do everything yourself. Yeah. But how do you how do you divide and conquer, or where do you focus on with the team aspect of it? I mean, how do you fit a, a role there and make an impact? How do you even approach it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's first I want to mention I am unbelievably lucky to have the staff that we have. The staff yeah. that we have is is the best in the business. I mean, that that's. Part of the answer to your question is that you have I have people around me that are good at what they do that allow me to fill in the gaps of what is needed. And so we have general managers of all those teams. We have marketing directors, merchandise, sponsorship, events, yeah. you name it. They are all very good at what they do, and that allows me to look at what is needed from a big picture thing. Uh, and so I can't do everything myself as well. It is nice that the majority of the things that I'm a part of are in one place. So I don't have to move. I don't have to leave anywhere. Grand Junction is a little bit further, obviously, and so I don't get to be there as much as I would like. But we have a general manager there that does a hell of a job. We have a team here in northern Colorado uh, of about 150-ish that are all really good at what they do. And so there's there's division within us of a delegation standpoint where there are people involved with the Hailstorm side. There's people involved with the Owls side. There are people that are involved with the youth sports and tournaments that we do there. And the non-sporting event stuff and the merchandise stuff. So again, it's it's creating a trust in the people that are good at those different delegations 
that can then delegate to their own team where I'm looking at big picture stuff of just making sure things are getting done. Yeah. But you don't need me over your shoulder. That's not the type of boss and leader that I like to be. Is I, You don't need me looking over your shoulder, making sure everything's getting done. Because none of us have time for that. It's right. setting up a boundary, setting up a barrier of here's what we'd like to get done. Here's what I'd like to be involved with from a personal standpoint, because I am a sports fan, and mm-hmm. this is also our project. But here's what needs to get done. You let me know if you need help. Yeah. So minor league baseball has had a little bit of a choppy period over the last couple of years between contraction from Major League Baseball, sometimes dwindling fan interest based on time of game and play and, and pace of play, a pandemic. I mean, there's been, a, there's been a lot of things going on that made this kind of a rocky road for minor league baseball. From the ownership seat, from the point of view that you, you exist in with your team, how were you able to persevere and still continue to generate revenue and add some stability to these franchises during what's been a pretty choppy time? It's definitely been a choppy time. Yeah. I like the way you put that. And I will obviously be careful of how I say certain things as uh, <laughs> I can get myself in trouble. But the, the last the last four years has not really been fun for anybody. Right. So, yeah. Uh, we're we not can say it's been a that. shit show. That's fine. Yeah. We're, we're not immune to that. We're also not the only one that's been dealing with it. Right. So it's not like it's, a, oh, shoot, only Future Legends has been dealing with these issues. No, this is a worldwide thing. Yeah. And so. Minor League Baseball, I'll take that at first. Minor League Baseball obviously has gone through an interesting time the last four or five years. And it's been confusing to a lot of people. I think that's that's something that we need to figure out how to go forward with is how do we describe what we're doing, why we're doing it, and that we're still promoting baseball at all levels. Yeah. And so that's how we try and approach it is we have a professional baseball team. We're not semi-pro. We're not an amateur league. We're not a wood bat league. We're a professional baseball team. Yeah. And so people in this area, in Northern Colorado specifically, that have been wanting professional sports outside of the professional hockey team that we have here. They've been wanting professional sports here for a long, long time. And so we kind of take that excitement and we build from that. As people now have a local team they can root for, they don't have to drive the full hour to go to Denver if they don't want to. And so that allows us to have a positive mentality and create revenue streams, like you mentioned, that people are coming here anyways. But building a complex around it, which is kind of the idea of Future Legends Complex, of building restaurants and youth facilities and dormitories and hotels around the stadium that are also self-sufficient gives people even more of a reason to come to the site anyways. And so that's kind of what our mentality was, that we combine everything into one area, that we give more and more reasons for people to be excited and to come. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not a necessity. We're not creating anything that is needed from a medical standpoint or whatever. We're creating fun. Yep. And so how do you continue to create fun after such a dark time? And so that's how we try and push through is that we are trying to create fun for people that are tailored to those people. I had I talked with uh, the CEO of the Atlanta Hawks, uh, Steve Coonan, a couple of years ago, and he was talking about game experience now is not about sitting in your seat for two and a half hours. It's about an entire entertainment aspect. We want people to come into the area at three o'clock in the afternoon and to have dinner and to then during the game, be walking around to different environments. And then afterwards to stay in the hotel right there, it's the whole campus. You guys have really started to embody that kind of a concept. It seems, can you explain to everybody a little bit about future legend sports complex, what it actually entails and, and what it looks like on the ground now? Cause you guys have had, you guys are public after a long, a lot of work here. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long long four years, but again, it's worth it. That's why we're still here. So originally, as I mentioned, you know, a little bit about my childhood, my family has been dreaming of building a sports entertainment complex that combined a lot of the different efforts that we've done on the side. So uh, my father uh, has been in real estate for a long time, building hotels and restaurants. We have business partners that have played professionally. Uh, myself, I've been in the sports operations realm virtually my entire life. 
you know, other people that we've met along the way that has similar types of dreams. And we kind of fi- figured out that our dream was to create this entity that combined all of those things that we've done, hotels and restaurants and professional sports and youth sports and dormitory aspects in one place. We just have to find that one place and see if it's ever going to stick, right? And so uh, we had always looked at where are the right locations to do this? Yeah. I'm from yeah. California myself. I have family that's from the East Coast. You know, can you do it in the East Coast? Yes, uh, there are places that already exist, but now there's a little bit more competition. The West Coast, you either find the perfect location, but it's in the middle of nowhere, yeah. or you're finding somewhere that you're competing with a downtown or a bigger city. So long story short, we were able to find a location based on the help of a couple of key players, Ryan Spielborgs being one of them and Stacey Miller-Brown being another. Ryan Spielborgs playing in Major League Baseball for a long time, our yeah. co-founder and our business partner. And then Stacey Miller-Brown, who's the head of economic development of the town of Windsor here. They came to us, uh, us being myself and my father, saying, we have this patch of land that you can do this idea in. 118 acres. It's in the heart of northern Colorado, which if you've ever been to or anybody's ever been to, it's tough to beat. Yeah. Beautiful. The weather's great more, most of the time. Education's great. It's very safe. A lot of stuff to do. It's, there's a reason why it's listed as one of the best places to live. And so when we heard that, we're like, oh, this is an incredible location. You're in the middle of the country. You're 45 minutes away from the fifth biggest airport in the country. And so we're like, oh, that's the first step is finding the right place to do this. Yep. Then fast forward to four years, we're building two hotels. We're, we're bringing uh, two professional sports teams here and potentially more at some point. We're able to bring a dormitory to this site that the kids that come and play in our tournaments are with their teammates staying in one room versus staying with their parents in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Dozens of outdoor fields, the restaurants as well, professional stadiums, all that kind of fit in. But that was what our dream was, was to build everything all in one place. No, it's a powerful business model. And the the I've looked at all the, the pictures and the actual uh, the initial renderings versus where you are right now. Uh, and then last week, you, the Northern Colorado Owls had their first home game. The Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC hosted their first game. Yeah. As you look at those events finally coming to a fruition, are you able to sit back and feel like, success, we did it? Or no. is it all on to the next thing? And you just no. know that there's a list of things like, this was good and all this was bad. <laughs> what happens now? So I say no somewhat jokingly. And I, I don't want to make it. We seem don't like celebrate our success. I say this all the time. We don't su- celebrate our successes enough. But go we, ahead, we take it not. away. We do not. Here's what I would say: the staff that again that, that I keep praising should absolutely feel rewarded for the work that they put in to make this happen. So absolutely, I don't want to make it seem like we shouldn't be rewarding a historic event. It's the first baseball game and first soccer game in Windsor history, which is pretty great. So that alone is a feat that we should celebrate. And I don't want to joke around and say, no, we shouldn't celebrate at all. We should. But no, I'm not satisfied at all. We had a bunch of kinks that we had to get rid of. You know, the work that got to it, and there's only there's so many more things that we have to do now Yeah, that it's tough to sit back and be like, oh, wow, like that was super cool. Let's kind of cancel it right there, right? And so <laughs> we have so many years of goals. We have so many different things we'd like to do. Our complex is only about 40% open right now. And the rest of it is between this summer and next summer. So it's a year away from really being 99% done with hotels or restaurants and the rest of our stadiums and outdoor fields and stuff like that. So we're always kind of moving on to the next thing. But to your own point, it is important to say, look, we took four years to get to this point. We need to actually appreciate what we're doing. Otherwise, we're never going to be satisfied. And I know there's the people out there that say, oh, the people that are never satisfied are the most successful. You got to wiggle room in, wiggle room in a little bit where you yeah. got to be appreciative of what you've done thus far. Otherwise, you're never going to be satisfied ever. And at some point, then what are you doing? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. People get burnt out too, and you, and you're like you can drive yourself that hard, but your your team, your staff, everybody else needs to feel like they're building towards something and having success, right. or else it's just burnout and churning through people, and that's no that doesn't create a good environment for anybody. Absolutely. So from a you mentioned Ryan Spielborgs earlier. Um, from a marketing buzz and perspe- perspective, you nailed the influencer vibe. You said. Ryan Spoborgs is a co-founder, former MLB player. Tori Hunter's been involved, Car- Carlos Gonzalez, all really well-known in the Colorado area and in Major League Baseball. How important was it to have name brands like that involved? And then also, how did how did you leverage that? How did you go about leveraging their presence and maximizing that? Obviously, all, all the guys that you just mentioned not only are big names, but they're also great people. And so that, that's what made them more appealing to us is that uh, we've known them for a little bit. I've known Spilly for... You know, better part of half a decade. Yeah, uh, I've known Tori for actually most of my life, and then Cargo was someone that was kind of mutually friends with a lot of the people that we work with, and so yeah. and we we work with other people as well, and so it wasn't just oh let's go find the biggest name that we can to attach ourselves to. It's like let's let's find some people that have been through it, that have been through the grind of being quote unquote a future legend, right? They've been hyped up when they were younger. They've gone through the battles of you know we got to make ourselves seen and we got to work hard. We got to get to the pinnacle. And they all did that at a very yeah. high level. You know, people still look at Spilly in Colorado as, you know, a deity to an extent. Oh, yeah. And we make fun of him about that all the time. Cargo is one of the best Rockies that's ever existed. Yep. Corey Hunter is, in my opinion, one of the top three defensive center fielders of all time. And so their prowess has come with all the hard work they put into it. And so they feel very similarly about a complex like this is now I can make this opportune for 12 year olds, for 10 year olds out there, for any sport they want to. To go through the same type of path that we did and make it more convenient, more fun for them, right? And so that pitch to them made them on board. uh, And we obviously continue to work with them on a regular basis of how we can fulfill that dream. So a few weeks back, I had on Claire Lessinger on the show, who is the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. And Mm -hmm. she's a really interesting woman. And we talked about how she's pitching tournaments and events and trying to draw people to Tampa. And as I was prepping for this conversation, I thought, wow, that's got to have a lot of overlap. I would think that's a phase that you guys have as well of attracting events and tournaments and bringing people to that area. Is that part of your long run plan to get more of those bigger tournaments and events to come to come to the Windsor area? And then if so, what's the pitch? How do you get people there? No doubt. I mean, we are, again, uh, pretty lucky to be where we are. To pitch Northern Colorado to people is a relatively easy pitch, which makes my life a lot easier. Right. We're in a place that people already travel to. So that's that's kind of where that benefit comes from. You know, there are places in this, in this country that's a little bit more difficult to get someone on the other side of the country or get people to come to for not touristy purposes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we will definitely have these national tournaments very, very soon. Most of our complex time is actually booked from those tournaments now. We just haven't released all the news yet. <laughs> Uh, who those are going to be, but uh, really I would cool. say stay tuned. Yeah. All right. You mentioned early in the conversation, you have 200 people as part of your sports monopoly of the Northern Colorado area. <laughs> um, conglomerate, we'll give it a better word, whatever. I know you're not directly hiring all 200 people, but you have yeah. a vision for your culture. You know what those roles are you need people are for. Our audience tends to be that 18 to 30-year-old who's kind of finding their way, who's developing their career, who's figuring out where to, where they fit. 
What are those positions in operation like you guys are looking to fill, are really important starting points for entry-level employees that give a good high ceiling of growth and opportunity? What do you, and, and then on, on the next level too, what do you look for when you're bringing in people that, that you want to match your culture? That's an important question and also one that I was hoping you're going to ask because the thing we look for is a little bit of everything. And so from a logistics standpoint, we have positions that we open up in virtually every single department on a regular basis, whether it's our tournament department, events, marketing, sponsorship, merchandise, our financial department, HR department, pretty much anything you can name that we have, we look for help all the time. I mean, a complex like this and a company like this that's growing fast, we need as much help as we can get. So we could find a a spot for you. And on top of that, what do I look for? It's kind of a combination of all the stuff that I've mentioned here today. You look for someone that has a vigor for what they're passionate about, what they're motivated about, that this complex is going to try and change how people look at things from a sports entertainment perspective and, you know, be willing to put in the hard work, but also be willing to have fun. I mean, it, I say that carefully is be willing to have fun and be willing to, you know, kind of get out of your comfort zone is important. You know, we don't want the cookie cutter type of person that's like, oh, I'm going to show up to this job. I'm going to come in from a nine to five and I'm going to go home. This isn't necessarily the company for you then. I like to not work at a desk every two seconds. Yeah. Because I like being outside. I like moving around. I like sports, right? And that's kind of how we have a, a team full of as well. And so it's figuring out what you would like to bring to the table, personality-wise and from a skill set-wise, and why you want to be here. What is what is exciting to you about being here and having a job here? So if people can answer that question in a way that I that we feel like is authentic and can add to the team, we're always open to it. That's amazing. Casey, thank you so much. This has been such an insightful conversation. And I, I love that we were able to touch into you know, there's bigger topics on 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 leadership and philosophy and and building something like you are there in Northern Colorado. Um, there's just so much excitement that's going coming around what you guys are and your team are accomplishing, and so much for our audience to learn from and feel motivated from. So thank you so much for for joining me for this conversation, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you again for the opportunity. Very honored and very humbling to be here. Thank you to yourself and all the people that have believed in us. We obviously have some some cool things coming up. And I want to continue to make people proud. So uh, we appreciate the opportunity to do so and let us know whatever we can do for you. Uh, I love it. Thank you, Casey. Thanks to Casey for coming on the show. You know, I don't always know what theme is going to emerge as we start into some of these conversations. Minor league baseball owner, uh, minor league soccer owner, starting up this Future Legends project was is amazing. I mean, we could have spent all of our time just talking about that, but sometimes you see a threat. You see a threat of a topic on leadership. And there's, there's an answer in there that's interesting. And you start to pull on that thread a little bit and we get into this really good conversation. And that's what's fun about these interviews is that I don't always know what path they're going to take. It's, it's so much just learning and feeling and trying to lean into the important parts of the conversation. And that's where we get some of the real great stuff. So thank you to Casey for coming on the show. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next week.